Hello and welcome to episode four of Pastor and the Pappy. My name is Pappy and with me, of course, is my beautiful co-host, the pastor. That is me. Now, are you supposed to call me co-host? Because isn't that what upset you uh, in the second episode that you called me co-host? Or is that except co-host means we're equals, right? It means we're equal. You're not a guest. Oh, okay. What? Oh, is that what you called me in episode yeah, two? The guest? Oh, okay. My guest and that killed me and that was stupid. Okay. It, it doesn't matter. As long as you don't call me idiot, moron, stupid, blockhead, it doesn't bother me too much. But uh, yeah, blockhead. Well, you know, it's that time of year yeah, for blockhead to come out. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't, whatever you said in episode two didn't bother me so much. But uh, you called me that again. I was like, is he supposed to call me that? But uh, whatever we are, Pastor and Pappy, we are together again. We are PPs talking about our walk with God. Pastor and Pappy, and and that's what the show is about. We definitely cover every angle of of the Christianity view of life. Yeah, absolutely. The way that uh, the faith lives out in our lives, and the way that our lives intersect with the faith. That's exactly what the show is about. So, how's your life been going in the uh, couple weeks since we uh, last recorded, Kevin? Busy, very busy. Yeah, doing a lot with uh, medication adjustment doing okay with um uh recording a lot of podcasts because halloween time is used to be a time where i would be planning a haunted house and since i don't do that here because we rent and we don't want to destroy the house that we live in um uh, i decided let's do a lot of podcasts and discuss halloween and that way you feel like you put on a house for people to walk through and and there are lots of uh, our buddies you know put out lots of material over how they don't do that for christmas but halloween time all the podcasts I listen to come out with extra episodes, and I've got a backlog now on my um, – uh, I, I use a podcatcher. What's it called? Podcast Addict is oh, what I, I – try those. I've never yeah. tried that before. It's, it's nice on your phone. You know, Of course, I've abandoned the iPod. I don't use uh, that anymore. I just use my phone. It takes the place of that. And uh, so I don't even know if they're – podcasts any longer because they're not going through an iPod. But uh, yeah, I've got a backlog of those. Now, we also put out uh, a Halloween episode. Did you get any feedback from that? I did, actually. Uh, our buddy Phil from mm-hmm. from Open Minded Skeptic actually got in touch with me and, and he really enjoyed learning some history about it. Um, one day I would love to have him on. Sure, absolutely. Would love to join us. My sister's another one that would love to join us too because she enjoys this as well. And uh, I think that would be fun. We can never have my mother on. The ultimate, well, the ultimate mother superior of Catholicism. Um, that just would be everything we say will be completely wrong and uh, dictated back to us in a totally different way. Which, wow. Which would attract. Uh, a lot of weirdness that I'm just, but otherwise, no, we had a lot of good comments. Um, a lot of downloads. We're in the, the two hundreds. Yeah. Something to that effect. So, so thank you guys yeah. for listening so much. I did get some feedback. Now my wife listens. So I've recorded 300 or some episodes of various, you know, podcasts, none of which were spiritual, right. uh, spiritually focused, even though my Christian worldview comes out in, in a lot of them. And my wife has not listened to a, one of them, uh, but she does listen to Pastor and Pappy. And um, it's, it's yeah, probably is. You're, you're probably the draw. It's certainly not me. <laughs> but, uh, but she said she listened. She said, well, I disagree with you in some parts. And I'm like, bring it on, sister. You know, but she really she didn't want to get into it. She's just not a fan. You know, she is is stuck. And if this is where you are, this is what where you are. But she is stuck thinking that Halloween is a day that masks witchcraft and satanic activity. And if that's what you think, that's understandable. I just don't agree. And so, 
you know, but I did have, um, I did a Reformation Day children's message in our church on the 30th, the day before Halloween. And uh, one of my elders passed out some some candies to the kids, but he said, "I this is as close to Halloween as I get. Uh, one of our female leaders, she told me after I talked about the Reformation, she said, you need to reform Halloween. And I'm like, well, I'm trying, <laughs> you know, uh, somebody from the other church, you know, there's the Indonesian church I preach for every once in a while. They were on Facebook talking, you know, should Christians celebrate Halloween? Absolutely not. So there was a lot of negative feedback. And this year I was just like, if that's your opinion, that's your opinion. You know, Romans 14, one man considers one day sacred. Another man considers every day alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. So I'm not going to engage it. I did find some other uh, pro-Halloween Christian material. There's a guy named Glenn, I think it's Shrivener. I believe he's from the UK. I follow him on Twitter. I think he's a, an apologeticist. He put out a real good three-minute SoundCloud bite on, you know, the positive aspects of Halloween. Peter Lawls, another guy from, from the UK that I really like, who does a podcast called The Flicks the Church Forgot. He did a four-part, and I don't think this came out on his podcast, but it's on his YouTube channel. He did a four-part um episode, I guess, about, you know, Halloween and again, the positive Christian That's aspects cool. of it. Yeah, it was you know, so, but I'm really, you know, I, I'm no longer really willing to engage the fight anymore. If you, you think, you know, with my wife, you know, I kind of pushed back a little bit and said, well, you know, Chris, Christmas is, you know, uh, corrupted as well. There's people that don't know what Christmas is all about and they're putting up, you know, elves and, you know, deer and reindeer and all that stuff. And, you know, but no, you can't be, we, we took our daughter trick-or-treating with our, our neighbors and some of the houses were a little grotesque and she's just like, I hate this, you know, but, I um, understand that becoming yeah weird, you know? Yeah. And if, if you feel that way, you feel that way. So I'm not going to push it. But, uh, so, so I got negative feedback, I suppose you'd say from my wife, but she did like the closing hymn I chose. Um, uh, it is well with my soul. So that was that was good. And that's a cool song. I had no clue that the version I decided to use is you, is that one that is. Uh... I believe that's a more modern version by a guy named Chris Rice. I'm not entirely sure because I don't listen to a lot of contemporary Christian yeah, music. I hope but I didn't I, take that one. I actually, where did I find that? I found it through. An, it was an easy MP3 download from a Christian website. I can't remember where. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. But and. He can't sue us anyway. He's a Christian, and that's, uh, that's what against I was thinking. the Bible. I was like, please don't, please don't sue us. If he does, Paul, Paul says, don't sue us. And if if that's the case, what I'll do is just take take that one down and put up another with the uh, yeah, you know, something by Clearance Clearwater Revival. I don't Clarence. That would Clearance 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 Credence. No oh, Credence. Credence. Clearance is what happens at a sale in Walmart. I always mix yes. those two up. You know, clearance is uh, is what you have when you're going under a bridge. That's right. Or so, duck five feet. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Be, beyond our our previous episode, anything else going on in your life? Goodness, let's see. I'm still married, and mm. uh, always a positive. That's always good to wake up and go. We're still, and she goes, "Yep." And I said, "Thank God, that helps the bills." She, she's still here. The bed <laughs> right. the bed's not empty. The suitcases aren't gone. Not yet. They're still there, packed, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's something wrapped around it. I'll drop you at a moment's notice, boy. <laughs> there's an emergency break class, and she's out. <laughs> um, no, it's it's been pretty good. I'm excited because now it's time to focus on a Christmas album. I haven't done mm-hmm. one in a while, so we'll see what kind of juice I can come up with. But it looks like it's going to be a Zerbatron esque 1980 synth Christmas, but with well, that's traditional Christmas music. I, I love the Zerbatron. Uh, what do I have? Like six or seven Zerbatron albums? <laughs> three, because um, that's all there is. N- no, no. There, I've got more than three. Well, there's Zerbinator and Zerbatron albums. Okay. Well, I've, whatever you've got out there, I've got them all. Yeah, My listen, daughter likes them. Yeah, we uh, we listen to them on the way to school, and she likes them. Uh, but you're not doing anything for Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. I always forget that holiday. I just know I have to show oh, up and my eat a ton of food. I know you're a huge I, fan. I'm a huge fan of Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. I do love Thanksgiving very much. The the I love Thanksgiving. It's it, the house gets filled with a lot of people. It it's a good day, uh, but it's a good spiritual practice as well. Maybe we'll talk about it sometime in the new fu- near future. Until then, you know, let me just quickly plug my ebook, 
please. Our harvest, yeah, our harvest being gotten in, which is just a short collection of Thanksgiving-related writings, and uh, I enjoy reading those as part of the holiday. So to get, yeah, to get me in the Thanksgiving mood. Thanksgiving should be more than just a speed bump on the way to Christmas. It really is a beautiful holiday, you know, that stands shoulder to shoulder with Halloween and Christmas, in my view. And uh, one of the things that I love about this time of year. For my part, another thing that I, well, I don't know if I'd say I'd love it this time of year, but I've always been aware of, uh, was NaNoWriMo. Are you familiar with that? Not at all. I think it's a national novel write month, writing month or something. I'm not sure. But what it is, is everybody tries to write a novel. In the 30 days of November, wow. they try to write, yeah, a 50,000. So it comes out to like 16, uh, 66 words a day. I've always wanted to do it. Got on Facebook last night and somebody said, it's the first day of NaNoWriMo. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I just said, you know, I, I'm working on three other novels right now, a couple other nonfiction books, but I just said, you know what? You've always said, I want to do this someday. Just do it. So I just sat down and I, I didn't do 1600. I did 1300 words having no idea where I'm going. You know, I just I know 1300 words a day. <laughs> I only know about 500 to 1,000 words a day. I'll be lucky if I come up with that. Well, you use some of the same words over and over again. Like is and a and the. Is and a and the and his, her, you know. Blockhead gets right. used several times, right. at least in my vicinity. Exactly. Yeah. It's, I'm leaving you, all of those. So. Self-reliance uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, so that'll be fun to see where that goes. I, I don't want to get too drained by that. And I don't want to get sidetracked from my other projects and my family and ministry and all of that. But um, the good things about that discipline is, you know, it's just like write fast, don't edit, don't second guess, just try to do something. And so that'll be a good discipline, a good practice. So, yeah, that's what I've got uh, going on. But um, I guess, you know, uh, with uh, all of that out of the way, it's time for us to move on to a cultural artifact. And now it's time for The Cultural Artifact. Cultural Artifact is a current event or incident which connects in some way with our walks with God. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm the one that dug up our cultural artifact this month. And it really uh, comes from two sources, or I, I guess not this month, this bi-month, this week. Uh, the first one is an article that I found on a website. Uh, I guess it's a blog called Mere Orthodoxy. And I didn't even know what blog I was on. I thought I was on a different one called Mockingbird. Uh, I don't think they're very similar, yeah. but their names both start with M. And uh, I think the one is really kind of millennial in its approach. And I think the other is way more traditional. But uh, so Mere Orthodoxy, that's the more traditional one. They've got this article. It's called Our Impoverished Imaginations, The World of Jen Hatmaker. And it, I'm really not sure where this article is going or what it's supposed to be about. It starts with this woman named Jen Hatmaker, who I'm, I've, I'm somewhat familiar with. I've heard of her. I guess she's a Christian lady with a TV show or something. But they start talking about um, uh, gay marriage and other and, – and I never get to LGBT, and there's several other – consonants and vowels that go along with that uh, today. They, they start talking about uh, that community and what the Christian response should be. From there, they start talking about young evangelicals and millennials who have um, abandoned the church. They start talking about the seeker-sensitive church and the mega church. And um, they've got a video here that a lot of people have seen where it's a mega church making fun of themselves and, you know, some of the silly things they do. Uh, and, uh, what I really took out of it, what, what really caught my attention more than anything, was just they started saying there that, you know, millennials don't like coming to church, That's you know, strange. which is, yeah. yeah, no big surprise. If you're familiar with the, I guess it's the Pew Report, it may be a couple years old by now, but which said that the, the nuns category, when you ask people what, uh, you know, faith are you or what religion are you? They say nuns and that's growing. And all of my pastor friends are like, oh, my goodness, we're losing the culture, the nuns category is growing. So, you know, if you're familiar with that at all, it's not a big surprise to you that, you know, millennials don't like to come to church. But then I found another article as well, which really made me say, this has got to be our cultural artifact. This one's from uh, Get Religion, which I may have talked about before. It's both a blog and a, and a podcast that talks about the way the faith is covered in journalism, in media. Mm -hmm. 
They did an article, though, they and they did a podcast, actually, which wasn't about that at all. But instead, uh, I guess the title that what I'm looking at here says, Why Don't Men Like Church? Sometimes a story is hard to see because it's just too common. So they're talking in particular why men don't like coming to church. But I did listen to the full podcast and they, you know, again, talk about uh, millennials and, and just other folks just not liking coming to church as well and what some of the reasons are. And I thought that would be a good launching pad. We're not really going to talk about these articles in detail. Right. Uh, because you can read them if you would like to. And the podcast is up there and they cover better weekly. But for me, it was a good launching pad. You know, I, I have to say there is a, a disquiet in my soul. There is also what feels like a, an accusation or um, what's what's the proper for a, a being made fun of, I guess, or a being rejected when people say they, they don't like coming to church. You know, so that's the idea we're dealing with church in general and a large part of our society not liking going to church in particular. That's really the cultural artifact that we uh, have today. So want to start out just what your thoughts are on it. Uh, of course, our churches are somewhat different, different in style. I don't think they're as different in essence. You know, mine is about glorifying and loving and enjoying Jesus. I think yours is as well, despite, right. you know, the the externals that, that make us look different. Um, but I really don't know what your take on that is. So I was just curious as to, you know, just start with your opinion. What do you think about church in general and going to church in particular? Well, I think that going to church is very important. The The problem with me is that I have not been to church in, oof, I can't even count. Probably, well, since I moved up here, but I would say probably over a year. But I've been to uh, I have an app that takes me to the Catholic channel where you can watch the daily service, and I do that at night. Mm -hmm. Now, counting that as going to church or not, uh, technically, I don't think it counts. I think it counts because I'm listening to the service, but I'm not at the service. Um, and I think going to church is very important because you're going to hear the Word of God through someone preaching from the Bible and giving you your intake for for that week of of the knowledge of the Word of God through the Bible, and I think that's very important. Um, there's a laziness involved as well. I mean, I could possibly make it to church on Sunday, but I also work on Sunday, uh -huh. and I opted to sleep until it's you know it's time to get up and go to work, which is quite lazy. Um, I went to church before because it was part of my job. Uh, there was a gentleman that I took care of, and my job was to take him to church every Sunday. And that was awesome because I'm going to church and I'm getting paid for it. You know, so it was, and it was, I felt Well, it's, it's the same for me if I could. Oh, that's a very good point. I get paid for going to church. That's a very good point. That's, that's not at all uh, an accurate assessment of the situation, but <laughs> you can kind of say that. But you're putting a lot of work into it, like, yes, and, like yes. you're basically writing out the church for, for the day. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, and and I've had this talk with my brother, as a matter of fact, because uh, he actually works in the church. He does a lot of um, Knights of Columbus work with uh -huh. the church, and um, you know, feeding people who are homeless and does a lot of things. And then there's days where he's just too tired to actually go to church that Sunday because he spent the week working for the church and he thinks that, you know, he doesn't have to go to church that day. And, and there's parts of me that agree with him, but parts of me that says, look, if you can't make it, at least try to watch on the Catholic channel a service if you want. Mm -hmm. And then he said, well, mom said that that's not going to church. And then I said the same thing that we spoke about in another show where I said, you could have church going to church or in the middle of the woods just talking straight to God. You know, that could be your church for that moment. But at the same time, I get a little bit of a conflict because uh, same thing like confession. I feel that if you go to confession and confess your sins to somebody, you have to go through that embarrassment. And I don't believe that, you know, Catholics can sit behind that, that veil or, you know, sit in private or you can sit face to face, sit face to face, take away the veil. If you're going to tell your sins, tell them off, man, just mm -hmm. rattle them out in person, in face to face, because you're, 
you're embarrassing yourself and you're putting everything out there in front of somebody and talking it out. That to me is important. Having a conversation with God and just saying I'm sorry to me is good, but I think the act of is is more important. Therefore, going uh-huh. to church would be the act of, you know, showing respect for God and going to listen to his word from somebody instead of just, you know, being in the middle of the woods and just having a conversation. Does sure. That, does that all make sense? I think it does. No, yeah, you're, you're getting – so you're, you're saying basically you do believe that going to church, which we'll probably talk about that phrase when we get into the, the spiritual application, but you believe that's important. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me ask you a couple questions real quick uh, before we get into in, into my side of it. Now, you talk about a daily service, right? So in the Catholic Church, they have mass, and so they call it mass, which we had a, a, we had a lady come visit. She called me on the phone. She said, I want to come to your mass. And I was like, well, it's I can probably tell from the term you're using, it's going to be different from what you're used to. You're welcome to come. We'd love to have you. Just be prepared. It's going to be different from what you're used to. Right. But Mass refers to what I call communion. Is that correct? The mass is the partaking of the bread and the the wine representing Jesus. That's part of it. Um, I always thought that the mass basically was the entire service from okay. beginning to end. You know, you got the homily in there, and then the the and I'm so bad I don't even remember the the terminology. But is it called the Eucharist? You got the Eucharist. You got the story. The guy's thoughts on the story. His explanation mm-hmm. of the story, and then you you do the the holy part of uh, receiving communion, and then at the end you sing the happy we're getting out of church soon song, right. and everybody bails out of there in a heartbeat, feeling good before they eat their entomins crumb cake. Okay, so but that happens every day. That that does happen every day. There's uh, as a matter of fact, I'm looking on the app now, and they have uh, the. Monday, they have the 31st week in, in ordinary time. Apparently now is ordinary time. Um, okay. There's, there's uh, for today, they have the All Saints Day Mass. The, um, they have the commemorative uh, Mass for all of the faithfully departed for All Souls Day. And, and it goes every single day of the week here. Um, the St. Simon and St. Jude was on Friday. You know, and it just, they have different days where each Mass has a certain meaning. So are, are they any different for these special days? Is anything, you know, massively different from what happens in the other no, services? No, they all pretty much are just um, services, and the subject matter will be stronger on a holiday. Now is... Cover that topic. Is Sunday Mass any different? I yes. mean, it looks like it's bigger. It looks like oh, you got yeah. a lot more... Sunday People. Mass is always in this cathedral, um, and they do it from different cathedrals all over the world. And uh, that's always the big day, and, and there's even an app reminder here that goes, hey, it's Sunday, if you want to it's watch. Sundays. Sure, okay. And, uh, now, it's wonderful. In the Protestant church, at least you know my wing of the Protestant church, the way that we did it was uh, you had a Sunday morning service and a Sunday night service and a Wednesday sometimes called prayer meeting or, or Bible study service. So we refer to those as Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And if you were a good Christian, you went to all three. And my family, we were good Christians. And you were not allowed to miss. I was skipping. Su- so also Sunday morning, you have Sunday school. So I really count those as one because you don't leave in between. But um, really technically four. And I was skipping Sunday school after I learned to drive. And my mom and dad, caught, they caught me in the street in my car. They stopped me, you know, flagged me. Dad, dad's got his hand out the window, and I roll down my window, and mom gives me that Claire Huxtable, you in trouble now, boy, look. And she's like, you are not going to be skipping Sunday school, you know. And so there was no, you know, and it's – Set your car we, on fire. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I did sometimes work on Sundays, you know, my job as a as a – grocery store bagger and cashier, Mm -hmm. but it had to be between the services because I had to be at uh, both services. So I could only work in between the services. So that was very important to us. Now, what times does the, does the Catholic mass and particularly on Sunday, uh, it's, it's usually pretty early, isn't it much earlier than there? There's always been wherever I've lived. There's always been three. It seems that there's always the eight 30 to nine 30, 
Um, and then there's the 9.30 to 10.30, and then there's the... Uh, either It's either like a 9.30, a 10.30, and then an 11.30 mass. So in, in a row, you know, they'll okay. normally go till about one o'clock. And then after that, it's over. Okay, so we Protestants usually meet around 10. And that I believe that goes all the way back to Martin Luther, who was trying to set up the service to minister to the farmers. You know, the farmers had to get up and milk their cows and right. so forth. And their free time began around 10, you know, until they had to get back and milk them again. So, you know, traditions hang on and we still pretty much follow that calendar. Now, a lot of people, particularly in California, like it earlier. They like eight o'clock, nine o'clock service, I guess, to be done with the rest of the day. And, you know, as a football yeah, football fan, that makes sense because the one o'clock game everywhere else is ten o'clock here. Yeah. So I and like I think this week nine nine or ten games were played at that hour. And by the time I get home, I had like Atlanta Falcons and somebody else I didn't care for. You know, and that's all the football that I get. You know, <laughs> but um, but we still yeah we we still pretty much maintain that. Now a lot of churches don't do the Sunday nights anymore. Um, our, our congregation does not, we only have Sunday morning. We don't do Wednesday night. We used to, what we do now is we have, um, discipleship groups and that's what I will lead tonight. I have some men who have shown, you know, a genuine, and what I do is I look for people that are genuinely interested. I don't just say, Hey, the door's open. Come if you want. I, I recruit people who show an interest, not only in the faith, but in the way I live the faith. And then I say, if you're interested, we're going to meet at this time. I'll show you how to live. Uh, you know, uh, the life that I'm living right. as follow Jesus. That's different from a church service. So really, we just have the one church service in the morning, and and that's what uh, most of us do. I, too, that, you know, putting that finer point on it, I wanted to discuss some ways that, that your meetings were different than mine, but we still have the meetings. Yes. You believe in them. I believe in them as, as well. Now, again, from my perspective, I jokingly said I get paid to go to church, which is not true at all. Because if I had to, I would do what I do for free. I, I do it because it's my passion. It's my life's work. It's not my career. It's not my job. Um, I'm supported to do that job, and that helps me do it better because I give my full time to it. But even if I had to work, be bivocational, I would be leading in some way. It might not be as, as good as it is now. I may not have put as much time into it, but I would be leading in the church in some way. I, I rarely think of myself, though, as going to church because from my perspective, it's more like church comes to me. You know, I'm here at eight o'clock getting everything turned on, getting, you know, I play with the band as well. I play guitar and just, you know, have some fun. I do it. I'm not that good at it, but I have fun. So, you know, I'm here. And then, you know, close to 10 o'clock, people start showing up, you know. So church really comes to me. I very rarely get the chance to just go to church. But I, too, you know, find it very important. And you get real dismayed when... You know, you read articles like this, uh, both in the um, uh, what was the first one? I forget. Um, not Mockingbird, but uh, oh, Mary, uh, MereOrthodox.com. Yeah, Mere, Mere Orthodoxy, which is a a play off of uh, C.S. Lewis's um, Mere Christianity, very famous book. Uh, so you read articles like in the Mere Orthodoxy. You read articles like in the Get Religion, which is a site I prefer a little more. Uh, you read a book. They in in the uh, in that podcast they referred to two books I think which are on this topic. One is is titled Why Men Don't Like Going to Church, I believe, or something to that effect. And I've read that book and I understand what he's saying there and I understand all the points for it. You see the Simpsons. There's an episode of the Simpsons where um, it's the one with Reverend Lovejoy and they everybody says church is boring and the Simpsons come home and they're ripping off their church clothes and Lisa says it's the best time of the week. Uh, it you know it, it's the most yeah the most possible time between now and more church. More church. You know, and there's some of that that I can understand. You know, in this podcast they give reasons why. Um, in the mere orthodoxy article, they give reasons why people don't like going to church. There are other reasons that I think people don't want to acknowledge, such as the fact that we human beings, and I include myself in this category, are lazy and and short-sighted and simplistic, and we like shiny objects and flashing lights, and there's not too much of that in church, so we're just not that much interested uh, right now. Nobody seems to be talking about those reasons. I do think they're, they're there, though, but uh, it, it really does dismay me, you know, to see all of this negativity about going to church. 
I think it has a lot to do with the fact that when you go to church, you're hearing something that almost uh, something that you have to change in yourself. And when you see it Mm -hmm. shining back at you from somebody talking to you about how you might be doing something wrong in your life and you need to change it, it's almost like being adult being parented. And therefore, since we are in a society where there's a lot of entitlement and uh, everybody is, uh, you know, overly, overly entitled to do whatever they want, to, to hear something that steers you away from that empowerment and makes you little again is something you just don't want to hear, that there's something greater than you at this present time. And I think that's something that steers people away. Do you, do you, does that? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's partially what Paul calls the offense of the cross. You know, Paul acknowledges the cross is offensive in many different ways. And one of the ways is the one that you've just acknowledged, that it reveals your sinfulness. It reveals your smallness. It reveals your need for a savior and your need for correction. Um, so that could be reason. Another reason could be people are just lazy. I mean, so I'm, so I'm not discounting your reason. I'm just saying there's oh, many yeah, there's reasons. More, I, yeah, there's tons of them. But I always yeah, I, I, feel yeah, strongly I, about I, that one. Certainly. There was one time, um, and you never know, again, you never know what's going on in people's mind. This lady came to our church, uh, and, you know, I come introduce myself to her before services. She tells me her name and everything. She sits there through the whole service. I get up and start to preach, and, I mean, she gets up and it's gone. And I, I had not even said anything offensive. I mean, if I had said something like, you're a sinner and you're going to burn in hell, you know, which I don't believe I ever say that, but uh, I can understand, you know. I was just telling a joke. Now, and it could be that maybe she thought I was too jocular, you know, having too much fun. Because I do think the faith is fun and the life of faith is fun. And I have some fun with it. You know, if you listen to last week's message where I was goofing off with the kids, I was I was having some fun. You know, it could be she thought I was too, you know, southern gospel fire and brimstone. I mean, I don't know, you know, because I do talk kind of loud. And maybe it just surprised. I mean, who knows what reasons yeah, there are. It could be anything. It could be yeah. even the the fact that you have blonde hair and blue eyes and you're and you're gorgeous. And well, thank thank you very much. I don't know that I'm gorgeous, you know, but uh, twenty bucks. Uh, you. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I I I've got a kind of round face, you know. I always compare myself to Charlie Brown. One guy told me sometime. He said, you know, people just may not like you because they don't like your face. I mean, there's some of this is right. there's nothing we can do about. I mean, I understand there's some things, and these articles are kind of geared toward here's how we can change the church to make it more acceptable to people. But I don't think that's the answer to every, I mean, some things you, I cannot change my face and I wouldn't, even if I could, I don't think that would be a, uh, what the Lord is leading me into. So other things, it's just like this one time, this guy, one of our long-term members here, who's a younger guy brought one of his coworkers with him. Yeah. And, um, after church, you know, he said, well, Hey, what do you think about it? And this coworker said, uh, he, I don't like him. He said something bad about homosexuals. I'm not going back. And mm. my friend was like, he didn't, that didn't say anything about homosexuals. And he goes and gets the sermon on the, you know, on the website and he listens to it. And nope, there's nothing about homosexuals. And so he came to me and said, you know, listen, this guy's just lazy. And if, if he can find an excuse to get out of going to church, he will. If he needs to make one up, he will. He's just lazy. So it could be that people are lazy. Yeah, exactly. It, it could be that they get you know, conflicted in any number of ways that they get confronted, you know, with a spiritual truth in any number of ways. It could be that, you know, the faith is hard and the life of faith is hard. It is a discipline. And, and this is one aspect of the discipline they don't like. It could be that it is legitimately boring and, and, you know, unedified. There's any number of things that it could be. Um, but it is. And, I think it's quite wrong, and that's what we're going to continue to discuss as we move into the spiritual application. And now it's time for the spiritual application. Spiritual application, this is where we discuss how the cultural artifact affects us in our walks with God. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I guess as we start that application, you know, we've, we've established that, A, people don't like going to church. Right. Uh, that's the cultural artifact and, you know, basic of it. There are other things in those articles, but that's the basic of it. We've, we've talked about how we disagree with that dislike that we think it is important to go to church, whether you like it or not, you know, which was my parents way, but I hope you <laughs> like it. But, uh, 
you know, uh, that's still what we've said. So as we move into spiritual application, I guess let me just ask you this, Kevin. Why do you think it's important to go to church? So you've said, hey, I think it's important. You've said, I think this cultural uh, tendency to not be a part of a church is wrong. Why do you think that? Why do you say that? I think that the, the and, and even saying the act of going to church sounds like you're acting like you're going to church. So I don't want to say it that <clears> way. <throat> the physical movement of showing up, physically showing up to the church for God, I think would make him just as happy as me either speaking to Jocelyn, my granddaughter, on the phone or actually showing up to spend time with her. And of course, what's going to be more have a bigger result in in her life and in mine but to be right next to her in person it's much better than just doing it on the phone hence me watching my services on the phone Uh um, God wants you in his house he wants you to be there and he wants you to uh, flourish in, in the word of God by hearing it face to face and being with other people around you. He wants the flock to be there. You're saying um, there is a relational aspect right. to church. You know, so that's one thing you said. Another thing you said was that, uh, maybe I'm, I'm twisting this a little bit, but I think this is what you're trying to say, that, that the idea of going to church is not entirely accurate, that that's not really what is happening, that it's not going to church like you're fulfilling a duty uh, but instead, it's more like you're showing up at somebody's house. Right. And uh, and so I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's the, the first thing I would say is, unfortunately, in, in America, and I don't know what it's like around the world because I've never been anywhere else. But um, in America, we have what I call this folk religion, a shadow faith that looks like the faith but isn't. And it gives us all kind of strange, very simplified and often skewed impressions of what the faith is. So you just I think we talked about this before, going to heaven when you die. The Bible never uses that term. It's not what it presents. I mean, the Bible does present that there is a heaven. It does present that, you know, if you die prior to Jesus' return, you, I guess if you want to call that, go to heaven. Paul just says it being in the presence of the Lord. But it also says there's going to be a resurrection and a life on a new earth. And most people even are aware of that. Even beyond that, Jesus said that the goal of the faith is to enter the kingdom, which is significant and for go to heaven. So there's one example where the folk religion takes this beautiful idea of entering the kingdom mm-hmm. and twists it and skews it until it's, you know, go to heaven when you die. I think it's the same way with go to church. The Bible, again, never uses that phrase, go to church. It, you know, it never does it hammer on somebody, you need to go to church, or like when I grew up, you need to go to church three times a week or, you know, whatever. Um, the Bible talks about meeting together, and it presents those meetings as being very enjoyable. You know, the, the author of Hebrews does have to encourage people not to stop it in, uh, what is that, Hebrews chapter, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Is it is that 12? I'm not sure. I'm, I hope you're not yeah. asking me. Uh, okay, I, I, for some reason I can't bring up the exact chapter, but somewhere in Hebrews uh, where he says, let us not give up meeting together. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, we see that they happily met together. They were meeting, the Christians were meeting together all the time yeah. for study, you know, as you talked about hearing the word of God, right. but also for fellowship, the breaking of bread together. So the first thing I would say is that really go to church, even though I myself use that phrase, is a misnomer. You know, go to church is not really what we're supposed to do. Go to church is not really the um, identifying characteristic of the faith, you know, which is a lot. I mean, this is how a lot of people describe the faith. Do you go to church as if that determines whether you're a Christian or not? And that's again, that that's a skewed view. Rather, meeting together with other believers for study, worship, for fellowship, relationship. That's what the Lord wants um, and in my opinion, it's, it's, a, it's a very different thing from going to church and a very superior, better, enjoyable thing. When you understand that you are going to be with friends and family members, mm-hmm. regardless of what the quality of the music is, how much you like it or dislike it, regardless of what the quality of the sermon is, how much you like it or dislike it, don't get from it, you're still going to meet with others, to meet with God, 
to me, that's that's a, a, a beautiful thing. So and, and that's what you brought out in your answer. So that's the first thing I would say that that going to church is not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about meeting together people. Paul uh, Peter uses this phrase like precious faith in the opening of Second Peter. We have a like faith that is precious to us and we meet together to enjoy that, to celebrate that, to develop and grow and express that. And that's a, a much more beautiful thing than um, going to a church. So that's the that's the first thing that I would say there. Second of all, thing that I would say, you know, based on your answer is that um, important things happen at church. Oh yeah. Things that change. So let me put it this way. Now my life was changed. There, you know, I, my testimony has five stages in it, uh-huh. maybe even six. I'm not depending on how you count them. But the second or third stage was when I, I'd already made the decision to be a Christian. I'd already been baptized, but I'd begun to wane a little bit in my enthusiasm. And they took me to this thing in Ohio called Life uh, Teens for Christ. That's what it was called. It's a big youth gathering that they have. And of course, we lived in Columbus. So it was right in our backyard. It was downtown Columbus at the Hyatt or the Marriott or somewhere. And so a bunch of us, you know, poor white kids from the west side of Columbus, you know, running around downtown, creating havoc. But we also come into these workshops. And the guy that preached, his name was Tommy Oaks. There was a guy that sang. His name was... Oh, I can't bring it up right now. But he, he did a song called One by One. Um, and that just it Larry, Larry something. And uh, he did a song called One by One. And mm-hmm. he, did a, he did a couple other songs that really uh, what one W.O.N. by one O.N.E. So one by one. Jesus, Jesus won it all. Gotcha. Um, and I don't know what happened. I don't know what was said. Tommy Oaks must have said something. Or, or Larry Bryant, that's the guy's name. Larry Bryant must have said something, but it changed my life forever. Huh. And I came home, and I and and I always when I went away to Bible college, I missed two classes in Bible college, not two days. I missed two class periods. One was because I had um, food poisoning. I passed out before my last class of the day, huh. and I said I to go home. The other was that all my other classes were canceled except for one in the middle of the day, and if I skipped that one, I could work a whole day and get a whole day's pay. Um, but, but I only missed two classes because I believe something important could be said in class that would change my life forever. Right. And, and there were times that I knew that I might hear something in class that would help me to help somebody out at a critical moment in their life. And I didn't want to miss that. And I do think it's the same with church at any given service, something could happen that could change your life forever for the better or even beyond that um something could happen where you change somebody's life forever this is what we have to we think and i think you said this in your answer or or you said this earlier we think life is all about us yeah you know we are the entitlement yeah yeah in entitlement selfishness self-centeredness self-orientation what do i need what do i get how does this benefit me the Lord doesn't think that way. You know, mm-hmm. our Lord Jesus, one of the, the greatest statements he ever made, I have come not to be served, but to serve, you know? And so we need to stop thinking about what do I get and maybe start thinking, what do I give? What do I give when I come to church? You know, maybe there's somebody that needs my friendship. Maybe there's somebody that needs my hug. Maybe there's somebody that needs my prayer or needs my encouragement. And I'm going to not give that to them because I don't like it. I don't like the music. Right. I don't like the preacher. I don't like getting up in the morning. That's just, that's not the mentality of our Lord. No. So, so that's what I see in your answer. And I like that. Anything further that you wanted well, to? There's two things. Uh, the first one is uh, one of my favorite parts of church it was always offering each other the sign of peace. During mm-hmm. Catholic mass, we have that. Uh, and now let's offer each other the sign of peace. And we shake hands with everybody or give hugs and all of that. And uh, I always liked that part, especially when I was a, a kid or a teenager, because always a cute girl. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I and uh, and I always liked that part. But the the other thing too is that I would go in and I would hear. Now again, this is where my mother would kill me, but it's the uh, the part of the church where you go in and and they read the part of the Bible and then it's explained to you after. And I think mm-hmm. it's called the homily, that where the priest wrote out mm-hmm. his translation of what you just heard from the Bible. And 
it always seemed to have to do, and it still does when I'm watching these daily masks from time to time. Not every single mass has it, but from time to time it does. It always seems to have to do with something I'm struggling with. You know, like a decision to do something or other, or a way that I'm living my life, and I always question, is this proper? You know, is this okay in the eyes of God? And that's one thing that I get from church. I get the answer to those types of scenarios or those types of questions that could improve the way that I live. And I find that very, very heartwarming and very important to be a better person. And you never know when that's going to cut. This is, so this is part of my, to take it a step further, yeah. part of my philosophy is you never know when that's going to happen. Did Moses know when he woke up that fateful morning that he was going to see the burning bush? Yeah. No, it just happened. You know, how many things happen and you had no clue they were going to happen? How do you know that something won't happen that could change your life forever in church? And, and it may, I mean, it may be a sermon, but it may be, I remember when I was like, 13 or 14, this one lady's, uh, or one other, there was a girl in the youth group and her mom gave me a, a kiss on the cheek, you know, I mean, nothing sexual or inappropriate about it. She just, she's like, Oh, Doug, you're so cute and wonderful. And she gives me a kiss on the cheek. That was so encouraging yeah. to, again, the way I describe myself, a poor white boy from the West side of Columbus. Happens a lot. I, unfortunately it doesn't happen a lot. Not, not nearly as much as I'd like. No, it, it's not a sexual thing. It I is. Know, I'm joking. Yeah, it, it is that somebody said you have value. Exactly. You know, and and I understand there have been times where people have come to church it's and have unfortunately, yeah, yeah, not had that experience that they've been told they don't have value. You come to my church, you will be told you have value. I mean, all churches think they're friendly. My congregation really is. We really work hard, and we've had people come in. We've had. You know, people with different lifestyles, goth people that, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious where, you know, that there's something, you know, when you come in with the white face and the black lips, I mean, there's something different about you. And yet I've seen those people be embraced and be loved and be told that they are our motto at Archer. We believe the Lord gave us this motto that we say we are a place of grace for all. And so everybody that comes in, we want to treat them with value. Well, this little church in you know the the west side on the west side of columbus ohio that didn't really have as well thought out a philosophy as uh, as we did of hey we want to make everybody that comes in feel they still made me feel by that lady again non-sexual she gave me that kiss she made me feel valuable how do you know that won't happen for you if you you know if you don't go to how do you know that you won't do that for somebody else yeah i mean i've I've affected people's, I, you know, again, a lot of what I do is I just invite people to come live with me and they will learn how to, to be a disciple of Jesus just by watching me. There's this guy that, that meets me and Aubrey every Saturday at Taco Bell with his kids. We get our food. I just offer my standard prayer. Lord, forgive us our sins. Help us live right and righteous lives. That's just my standard, you know, pre-meal prayer. Mm-hmm. And he says, my goodness, I needed that. That's and nice. I had no... Yeah, I had no clue I was even giving him anything. I was just living my life. Now, that was outside of church. You're still, anytime you're meeting together, I mean, you are fine. So on the one, we do have the idea you need to be at the weekly or whatever scheduled meeting of the church. You need to come together assembly. You also need to be the church and that you're hanging out with other Christians. Yeah, That's a big catchphrase, you know, be the church. I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say that. Yeah. A lot of times people say, well, we don't want to go to a church. We're going to meet in our house or whatever. Well, guess what that makes you? You're a church. <laughs> you know, you can't, if you're going to meet with other believers as you have to, um, you are being church. I think, about, yeah. yeah, exactly. So let's just be honest about it and let's be more intentional about fellowshipping with each other instead of cutting each other off, you know? So, um, th- to me, there is huge value, you know? So it's not just me saying, I want people to come hear me preach. I'm this staunch, strict, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you need to come to my church and make me feel good or you're a heretic. No, exactly. it's that I believe there's something valuable that happens for you here. I believe there could be value for other people through you here. And I don't believe you should throw that away. Now, the problem is, is that after, after you've missed church for a certain amount of time, like I have, um, without the help of seeing it on, on the Catholic channel here, um, you start to waver away from some of your, your faith. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. what I've noticed with, especially with myself, 
without being constantly informed and and having that that safe haven of uh, reminder, then it starts to dissolve away from you, and you start losing that grace that 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 you could endure by going to church. And absolutely, yeah, accountability. You know, you talked about the confession. We don't have your style of confession, right. the Catholic style of confession, but we do have, I have guys that I am accountable to and that I do confess my sins to and say, hey, I've been struggling with this, whatever. Uh, without that, which again, that's church. You know, even if it doesn't happen on Sunday morning, that's church. Without that, I I don't think I would be walking with the Lord very faithfully. Now, let me, let me put it this way. I And I'm not bragging, but I am one of the strongest believers that I personally know. I've been a believer all my life. You're not going to convince me that there is no God. Um, I've memorized several books of the Bibles, several books of the Bibles, <laughs> as if there's several books of the singular Bible. I've studied almost every book of the Bible verse by verse at a college level. Mm-hmm. So as far as information goes, I'm pretty good at that. I think I've been transformed a lot as well. You know, it's not just information, it's transformation. I think I've been transformed as well. And I believe with my whole heart that I would die without the accountability in the community of the church as a Christian. I don't believe that I could continue to maintain a faithful walk with God on my own as an individual. I believe I need the body to help me through accountability, through encouragement, etc. That reminds me, there's a line from Seinfeld one time. I think it's Jerry said this. I can't remember. He said, if you see a guy out in public in sweatpants, what that guy is saying is, I've given up on life. You know, I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and lately I've been wearing sweatpants or athletic pants a lot. <laughs> you know, the same can happen. Yep. There you go. I see it right now. Well, you're in your house. You're in your <laughs> okay, house. Well, that's so that's right. But uh, yeah, but when I get home at about five o'clock, I'm putting mine on too. Well, and I do know, I know that by that act, I'm slipping a little bit. You know, I'm not putting on the tuxedo and going out to the, uh, where did the Center. Flintstones? Yeah. The Kennedy Center. This the the Flintstones have some place they went to the. Oh gosh, I forgot. I forget is the Hard Rock Cafe or so. I don't know, but, <laughs> but but no, I'm I'm slumming it, and well, you can begin to spiritually slum it, yeah. And you really can begin to do that without accountability, without community that you find in the church and participation in the church, and so which really that's the way you should, you should not think of it as going to church. You should think of it as participating in a church. And without that participation, you're going to, to slum it. And uh, so I absolutely agree. And, and you know, in your situation, it, it is hard when you've moved. It's hard to get into a, a new church. I mean, even me being a – I facetiously call myself a professional Christian. It's hard to go to a church that I'm unfamiliar with, you know. And I, and I actually did a sermon on this. I, I think the sermon was recorded. My sermons don't always get recorded because – you know, my volunteers that help me out aren't very tech savvy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they're like, oh, Doug, we didn't get this one. And I'm like, doo, 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 doo. you know, <laughs> I on the outside, I'm like, oh, that's OK. But inside, I'm like, that one was so good. <laughs> you know? But I, this one may have got recorded. It's it's on the website. But I talk about my experience going to a church. Now, I don't like usually when, if we go on vacation. Because I believe that you participate in a church, you don't just go to church. Right. I'm not going to if, – if I'm in Ohio, I'm not going to find some church to go to usually because I'm not going to be participating with those people. I'm just going to be showing up for service and going home. I may do it just to see what's going on. I may not. This time on vacation, I went to go see one of my buddies you know, at his church just try to encourage him. And I've got this whole story about how he made this woman put her arm around me and all this stuff. So that's in the, in the sermon. So – uh, you know, I understand where you say, hey, it takes a while to get it going again because it, there is the community. It's not just showing up like at a movie theater. You buy the ticket and you see a movie with a bunch right, of strangers exactly. that you have no intention of ever interacting with. It, it, I, I say if you have no intention of interacting with people, there's no reason to go to church because interaction is is a good 50 percent of what church is all about. But, Fair you know, right. eventually, you know, I do encourage you and everybody else, you know, eventually you do have to have that physical presence in a because again how else can you get a kiss how else can you get a hug how else can you get a handshake how else can you get people looking at you personally and saying you have value or you have given value to me i mean you can't find that you know and where else are you going to hear old people sing terribly <laughs> nowhere else baby <laughs> maybe picnic at the pops That's i don't know true. That's, That's true. Uh, 
But um, yeah, you, you know, and and that's true. I mean, the songs often are terrible. Uh, we went to, uh, and the style is often terrible. We went to a lot of trunk or treats this uh, this Halloween season because with Halloween falling the way it did, sometimes they were on Monday, sometimes they were on Friday. Well, I know most of these guys, you right. know, that, that are put on the trunk treats and I want to come, my daughter wants to come because it's fun. I want to go because I, again, I want to encourage these guys. I know what it's like to put on an event and want people to be there. So I go to encourage them, but I, I see Christians trying real hard to be cool. You know, the attractional model of the church that we've talked about where we're tricky into coming in by making it look like we're cool and hip and it's fun and all that. So I, I, all the crazy stick that goes on in the church. If you want to read the Babylon Bee, if you want to read stuff Christians like that exposes how silly we are, absolutely, that's all true. <laughs> but this brings me to, I guess, my last idea here in the spiritual application and what I, I really want to, to leave people with is despite all that silliness, bad people singing, bad. I think C.S. Lewis said hymns, are like third-rate music put to fourth, uh, fourth-rate poetry, you know, or something. I mean, so I mean, C.S. Lewis didn't like the the church music either. He talks in screw tape letters about how silly the other Christians are. Um, even though all that is true, though, what is the church at its core? What is the church invisible behind all the silliness that just comes with being human? What is the church really? It's God's family, right? True. All calls. In Ephesians 3, he says we're the family of God. In 1 Timothy 2, he says we're the household uh, of God. We're also called the bride of Christ repeatedly. Hmm. That's what we are. And I think there's something wrong with you to say, I don't like God's kid. I don't like God's bride, you know? I mean, you and I are good friends. But if you said to me, hey, Doug, I like you, but I really don't like Heather— what do you think is going to happen? Or if I, what if I said, Kevin, I like you, but I don't like Shelly? You? Exactly. And and that's what it should. I mean, yeah. imagine the audacity. And and sometimes people, my my wife had a friend who for a while didn't like me, you know, so because she misunderstood me. She didn't get me. Right. You know, once she got me, that solved everything. She saw that blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. Hey, man. Can't beat it. But um, he winked at me, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> charm is charm, man. That's but right. uh, you or, uh, but go yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, it, it, that's it, if somebody says to me, "I like you, but don't like your wife," I'm gonna if I don't punch him, I'm gonna flat out tell them, "Well, then you can't be friends with me." Yeah, exactly. Because my wife, despite all her imperfections, and she has a lot, I have even more. So this works in, you know, with her friends as well. Despite all her imperfections, she's my wife, the one I've chosen to do life with, the one I love, respect, that I will defend to the death. And if you want to look me in the face and tell me I don't like your wife, we don't need to be friends. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's and, – and that is people today saying I like God, but I don't like the church. It's the same thing. You're going to look God in the face and say I don't like your kids. You know, God knows where his kids are lacking. God knows where his bride is silly. You think he doesn't know that? Of course he knows that. But it's still his kids. It's still his bride. He still loves them. Yeah. And, and you're going to reject them and mistreat them because they're boring, they're silly, they're out of touch, they sing bad, etc., etc. We have to understand what the church is. Paul said, Paul, knowing full well what the church was, saying everybody in the province of Asia has deserted me. The church has deserted me. He still said the church is God's household, the filler, the foundation. I try to put two words together, foundation and pillar, the filler, the pillar and foundation of the truth. That's what it is. And you've got to work that into your equation. When you're saying, I don't like going to church, it's boring, it's stupid, people, whatever. It's still God's bride. It's still God's kids and needs to be treated that way. And I believe that brings us to the moral of the show. And now the moral of the show. Yeah. You want to give the moral of the show a crack here, Kevin? I'm going to say, and you know me, I'm going to sum it up in a sentence less than 2.8 seconds. Go to church. Um, (laughs) I think it's important. I think the moral is the importance of going to church the physical act of going to church, and I hate using the word act. I, I unfortunately did not go to a college that taught me better words than, than act. The, the 
the malfeasance of not going to church. Wow. Thank you very there much. you go. There you a go. Disney term from a movie that recently was released. Um, just going to church will definitely replenish your faith. It will replenish your soul. And it will definitely enhance the way that you live your life and the person that you are. And I cannot imagine letting that go, especially when you want to live a life with and for God. I can't imagine just letting that fade away and thinking that you are better than the church and thinking that you're better than being taught what is right from wrong and what you believe in. Yeah, I, I, I would certainly agree with that. The way I would do my bottom line, I guess, my, uh, my moral of the show there's one of the early church fathers. I can't remember which one, unfortunately, but it's a fairly famous statement. He said, the church is a whore, but she's my mother, you know, and it's kind of the same idea that I, it's, yeah, it's, that's a little stronger terminology than I would use. You know, some of these, some of these guys could really lay it out there, you know, but um, what he meant was that, Hey, I know there's problems with the church, but she's still my mother. She she birthed me in the faith, nourishes me in the faith, loves me in the faith, and I'm never going to give. I, I wouldn't give up on my mother, no matter what she did. Yeah, yeah. He's saying I, I'm not going to give up on my mother, the church, regardless of what she is. I, I believe there is a goodness here. Now, I just generally like church service. I guess I speak that language. Mm-hmm. I can understand it's boring at times, but I like it. I like being with the people that I consider my brothers and sisters. There's something about it that I like. It might be that maybe if, if you're one of the people that don't like church, it, it might be or doesn't like church. I'm not sure what's grammatically correct there. Um, it just might be that there's something wrong with your taste buds. You know, that taste is acquired. I mean, you understand that, right? Um, I, I've heard that people in Great Britain don't like peanut butter and jelly as we, because they were never given what? I know. Can you believe that? You don't like peanut butter and jelly? That's like one of the best things ever. But they never had it as kids. They didn't develop a taste for it. The first time I did a cigar, I thought it was repulsive, you know, but now I like it. The first time I drank a beer, I thought it was terrible. But then I developed a taste for it, you know, not for the alcohol. I still don't care for the alcohol, but I like the taste of a good pumpkin ale in moderation, you know, not taking it beyond what is beneficial or constructive. Had three during the show. And it hasn't affected you at all. Hasn't stopped me one bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, all of those tastes. Sushi. You know, my Christian mentor, he was like, hey, if you're going to walk with God like I do, you got to eat like I do. He took me out to a sushi restaurant, gives me shishimi. Man, that was hard to eat. You know, shishimi is just the fish. It's yeah. just a cut of fish, raw fish. And that was hard. I developed a taste for it, though. Now I love it. Oh, yeah, I love shishimi. And... Um, it may be that your taste buds need to be developed a little bit. You know, you you may think that you've got the world with baloney, right? Which is Captain America movies and comic books and TV and whatever. That's baloney. If you've never had a steak, you may think baloney is something really good. Right. I say there's there's a steak here to be had. Might take getting used to. The taste might be acquired. There's always but there's a one to help. There's always a one to help. And if you acquire that taste, you're going to find a mother. You're going to find a lover who gives you value. You're going to find a family that belongs to God. And I think you ought to make that effort. Tonight's closing you. So, Kevin, like every good church service, we're going to end with a closing hymn. I picked last time, It Is Well With My Soul, a hymn that means a lot to me. What have you picked uh, for the closing hymn this time? Well, we have uh, quite a couple weeks until um, Advent begins with the Catholic Church. But I thought I would go ahead and pick O Come Emmanuel because I did a version of it and I don't have to get in trouble for it. There you go. That's one reason. And then the other reason is um, I love Advent. It's the countdown to Christmas. Absolutely. And I don't want to bypass Thanksgiving for, for your sake as well. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, that's my choice for today, O Come Emmanuel. That's like the the grandfather of all Advent Christmas music, so there we go. You know, this is one that I had not heard until 
I was 13 or 14, and I think at our church service we had some sort of Christmas, what we call a singspiration, which is just instead of there being uh, a sermon, people would just bring their own special. So one guy would sing a song, then a lady get up and sing a song, and it was just people, you know, doing songs. And two people in the same service did this song, Come and Come Emmanuel. I've never heard it. I, it's Is it in a minor key? It sounds kind of melancholy, right? Parts are, and, and then it switches out into something. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But it is beautiful, and I think it. I love Advent as well. I love the beauty of Christmas. Halloween is reality. Thanksgiving is is contentment. Christmas is beauty, and this is one of many songs which encapsulate that beauty of the light shining in the dark, of the final arrival of the one that we've been waiting centuries, millennia for. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Beautiful, beautiful song. Can't wait to hear your ver- version Thank of it. You. I'm excited to play it, definitely. And uh, you know what I'm going to do for the show notes as well is, is incorporate your your links there. Would that be all right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, in- incorporate the links to what we discussed today and also a free download of this song. Help awesome. Yourselves. Come back next time when the pastor and the pappy talk more about their walks with God. Observinator's music and podcasts are under the Creative Commons license, which allows retelling and rebroadcasting as long as the author is notified and credited. For more great escape pods, please visit www.zerbinator.wordpress.com. If you would like to contact Zerbinator Land, you can send an email to instrumentally at gmail.com or give us a call at 571-408-ZERB or 9372.